Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On today's podcast, Ben Elwood and I continue our Sophia Coppola rewatch with her movie, Somewhere. And I'm going to launch a new segment, Hamo's Hot Take. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I prefer my masseuse to keep his clothes on here at Big Squid. Wherever you are in the world, uh, once again, thank you for joining me and Ben as we have a lot of fun discussing Copeland's Somewhere. Spoiler alert, we both loved it. <laughs> like, really loved it. I'm also going to drop a new segment on you. It is one I've been thinking about doing for a number of years on TV, etc. Never really found the right place for it, and then it just kind of got lost in the mix for a while. And I thought, well, maybe this would be a fun segment to be dropping in now and again here on the podcast. So basically, it's going to be a segment where I will talk passionately enough about something and it will be considered a hot take. So this is going to be Hamo's Hot Takes and hopefully this will be right up your alley. I'm sure the hot take I'm going to give you today, some of you are going to be right on, some of you are going to be right off and some of you are going to be in and out as I go. But anyway, that's exciting, right? We'll do that in just a sec. Before we launch into the segment, I just wanted to thank everyone who came to the live podcast on Sunday night. The audience was great. My guests were in fine form and we all had a really fun time. We're keen to do more, uh, but I thought, why not put it out there and see what you'd like to see us tackle as a topic uh, in a live format? We just did Can We Still Enjoy It? And that was a fun topic to 
get into. I will release that as a live podcast in the next couple of weeks. It's a lot of producing and uh, production that needs to be done to it. But once that's ready, I'll put that up for you. But in the meantime, have a think about what you think you'd like to hear my friends and I talk about. Uh, Depending on which social media platforms you use, you can either write to me via Twitter, come over to our Facebook page, uh, check me out through Instagram, uh, join our private conversation section in uh, Facebook and... You know what, I'll put up a post tonight that you can add your thoughts to and, you know, we'll see if there's like uh, a consensus or, you know, someone might suggest something that even uh, inspires another thought. But uh, come along, I'd love to hear what you think. And also, we're getting towards the end of our Sophia Coppola rewatch. So start thinking about who you think might be the next director that we tackle or maybe it'll be a movie star. Maybe we should just change it up a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll do, actually. You know, we should do another competition where you can win shit off my table. That was fun last time. Anyway, start uh, thinking and keep an eye out for that in the next couple of weeks. We've still got quite a few, uh, well, a couple of uh, Sophia's movies we've already uh, recorded for The Bling Ring. And uh, so I guess there's only, oh, there's only two more, isn't there? Anyway, that'll be fun. I've really enjoyed this Sophia Coppola rewatch. It's just been so good and I can't wait for you to hear uh, what we have in store for you with Somewhere. There's a few things brewing actually and we're excited to let you know about them soon. It has been a crazy start to the year. I am genuinely flummoxed as to how it can be May already. Like, Jesus shit, how did that happen? And not only is it the month of May, but today, when I'm recording this, it's May 4th, which many of you will know as Star Wars Day. And that, my friends, is a segue into this. Hamo's Hot Take. When I realised I was going to release this podcast on Star Wars Day, I thought I should get in touch with my buddies, do a whole Star Wars episode for you. But then the more I thought about it, the more I didn't want to do it, and I couldn't work out why, and then it dawned on me, I think Star Wars is a bit shit. I don't want to bum you out if you're a big Star Wars fan. This is only my view. You're not incorrect to like it. I'm not incorrect to think it's a bit shit. I'm just going to explain to you in this segment that I could not bring myself to ring anyone or organise anything because it just doesn't interest me that much. And then I was confused because I've seen every Star Wars movie at the cinema and I've seen them when they were first released. It's not like I've gone back to them. Every time a Star Wars movie comes out, I go and see it immediately and that is a lot of commitment for something that makes me go, meh. So let's break down the movies in the order I experienced them so you can understand how I came to be so indifferent to these films. I, of course, saw the original Star Wars movie at the cinema as a kid and loved it. Why wouldn't you? It had everything. Spaceships, robots, scary dudes in white armour, an even scarier dude all dressed in black, laser swords and some heroes I wanted to see win the day. Now I know already if you're a fan you're angry because they're not robots, they're droids and it isn't a laser sword, it's a lightsaber and I know that but I just put that in there to annoy you for a moment in a fun way. We're friends, right? Anyway, I saw the movie at the cinema and I was a big fan and I love Luke Skywalker. No, it wasn't Han Solo. I liked Han, but 
Luke was my guy because he was a kid and he was the one you could relate to. Han was cool and if you were older you liked Han but all these people who claim Han was always their favourite is a liar because when you were my age it was Luke. He was the hero, he was the one that wanted more from life, he was the romantic one, not just about the princess who turned out to be his sister but about the world in general and he experiences heartbreak not once but twice and still manages to save the day. He also gets the best scene in any Star Wars movie when he watches the twin sunset with that beautiful John Williams music playing. Star Wars, great movie. The Empire Strikes Back comes out and it is just as awesome. I'd already seen Boba Fett in the cartoon for the Christmas special, which at the time, and when your age is in single digits, was super cool because you were gagging for anything about Star Wars back then and it isn't like now when you get on the net and look up whatever you want immediately. You didn't get stuff when you wanted, so when it came along... Even if it was a bit shit, you kind of loved it. Anyway, talking about shit... Shit goes pear-shaped for Luke in Empire. He's told by Yoda, who sounds like Fozzie Bear had a stroke, that he's a bit useless. He goes off to save his friends, fails to save his friends, loses a hand, doesn't realise Han's moved in on his girl, and finds out that his dad is an arsehole. Super cool movie. The asteroid scene was mega exciting in the cinema. The snow speeders were cool, and I had a die-cast metal toy snow speeder that I loved until my beagle Bodine somehow managed to chew it into a lump. Whatever, I love the dog and toys come and go. Otherwise, great movie. Return of the Jedi is where the wheels begin to wobble. Sure, we get Princess Leia in a revealing outfit that made you feel weird sitting next to your mum in the cinema, but the lack of proper throwdown between Boba and Han is a major misstep for this kid, especially after I spent three years imagining how cool it was going to be. That Boba gets taken out by accident is lame. Still, everything is fine until we meet the Ewoks, and regardless of everything anyone has said about them, it's just a that these cuddly teddy bears can take out stormtroopers who were initially really scary. Leia being Luke's sister was definitely an oh my moment, but then you remembered their two kisses in the previous two films and suddenly it's all a bit weird. Also, Han not being in the Millennium Falcon is a bummer at the end. He should be the one flying it around. He doesn't really get to do too much in this film, but by this stage we had Raiders of the Lost Ark and that's a thing and then at least I could enjoy Harrison Ford over there. Overall, a solid ending, even if it isn't as great as the first two. Now we get to the Phantom Menace, and I'm in New York with my friend Brett, who loves Star Wars. It is New Year's Eve, and I somehow managed to score two tickets to the opening midnight session at one of the cinemas. The crowd goes nuts when the movie starts, and I've never experienced anything like it in a cinema. It is even louder at the start of the movie than when all the kids lost their shit when they realised all the superheroes were back in Avengers Endgame, or when Cap picks up Thor's hammer, and Both of those moments were super loud, but not American. We're about to see a new Star Wars movie loud. Anyway, the movie progresses and I'm bored, bored, bored. And then Jar Jar says, excuse me. And out the corner of my eye, I see Brett put his head in his hands. So now I know he's bored, but the whole movie is sort of saved by a super cool lightsaber duel with Darth Maul. But for some inexplicable reason, they set him up for months with all this cool advertising and this great look and then kill him off. I know they brought him back, but I don't give a shit about the cartoons. I'm just talking about the movies. Overall, a pretty disappointing 
disappointing experience. I still see it twice at the cinema just to make certain I'm not being an arsehole and wasn't too excited and got my hopes up too much, but nope, not for me. I made the fatal mistake of eating a dope cookie before seeing Attack of the Clones and I'm so bored in the cinema with my friends, I try to whisper, I just want something to happen. But because I'm high, my voice is much louder and sounds like this in the cinema. I just want something to happen. And people around me laugh and some people clap. So I don't feel bad for being that guy. I go and see the movie again though because I think maybe I did a disservice by being high. And nope, it was just as boring straight but this time my snacks don't taste as good. Revenge of the Sith has some better moments but I'm not really into whiny Vader and when he finally becomes Big Bad Darth they ruin it with that strange decision to have him go no with his fists raised to the heavens and it's like fuck me what a dog's breakfast and also didn't Leia remember her mother? She must have amazing recalls since her mum died on the operating table. People can use the argument those movies are for kids and you're an adult and that's fine but when your two moments of excitement are seeing a bunch of ETs in the corner of a scene and Joel Edgerton getting a tiny cameo you're struggling. I saw The Force Awakens and have to say I really enjoyed it the first time. It was funny, it zipped along it was great to touch base with some of your favourite characters and I liked where they were setting up the next generation but on the second watch I'm like hang on, why isn't there one fucking scene with Han, Luke, Leia C-3PO, R2-D2 and Chewie all on the Falcon just hanging out, having a chat. These are my guys, this is my girl these are my droids, this is my Wookiee, I want to see them together I haven't seen them together in 32 years, why do you have them split up also why did you kill off Han in the first movie, also why is there another version of the fucking Death Star. Also, 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 I should have just watched it once, but because I really enjoyed it, I watched it again, and the second time, and then the third time, pointed out some flaws, but you know what? Let's not be an arsehole. It was still fun. I had a good time at the moment. The Last Jedi didn't work for me. I'm not angry about it. I just don't care enough. But I love Ryan Johnson's work overall. It just didn't click for me. And I just don't think Star Wars is a franchise that has room for deconstruction. It's a very solid series. It just does what it does. Give him his own series. Wasn't that the initial thought? Deconstruct over the air. I did love the idea that Ray wasn't from the Skywalker family because, you know, for a universe full of planets and billions of people, the saga was starting to feel like when I return home to Adelaide and discover that three of my friends are related and that 10 people I grew up with are now shacked up with kids because what else were they going to do? There wasn't much choice. Some great visuals in the movie, but the space casino was a bucket of shit. And while some of the Luke stuff was funny, I think there's something depressing watching what that hopeful kid turned into as he milked some weird-ass creature to get the blue milk. If I want to see someone who was once hopeful turn into a grumpy arsehole, I'll go and hang out with some of my peers in the Australian comedy scene. The rise of Skywalker. Jesus shit, what a fucking disaster. Its sole purpose in life was to say that everything that happened in the previous movie was wrong and Ray was someone important after all. Now, I wasn't a fan of the previous movie, but what the fuck is going on with this run of films that nobody was coordinating what was going on or at least had a decent roadmap that would give this trilogy some sort of consistency? Also, by this stage, the fandom of Star Wars has such an awful cancerous section that some of the characters being sidelined to placate that mass of arseholes leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. This is how 
how little I thought of the movie. I saw it with my friend Craig. It finished. We got in the car, picked up our conversation from where it left off. And then we went and got something to eat at Cafe de Ville's. And it was an hour later when I pointed out, we haven't even talked about the movie. That's how little of an impression it left on us. I did enjoy Rogue One, but I have to be honest with you. I've only seen it once and I saw it in London. And I only went and saw it at London because there was one cinema that had a six minute preview for Dunkirk. And to be honest, I was thinking, wow, how good does Dunkirk look? So I did enjoy the film, but I was feeling pretty buzzed about Nolan. I wonder what I would think if I saw it again. Solo was only interesting for that moment that you saw Han, Khaleesi and Lando stand next to Paul Bettany and they're so short in comparison, I had a moment going, fuck me, it's the Muppet Babies version of Star Wars. I can't really remember anything else of the movie and no, I wasn't high, I was just bored. So out of 11 movies, I like two fully, I like two of the movies somewhat and the rest make me want to bleach my eyeballs. FYI, I know I wasn't going to talk about the TV series but I do love The Mandalorian and was completely sceptical going in but to me that series is like my memory of Star Wars from when I was a kid. Also, Baby Yoda, and I know he has a real name, but he'll always be Baby Yoda to me, stole my heart and made me grow ovaries just so I could make them burst. I don't care about the cartoons, I hear they're good, but I'm not really a cartoon guy. So even though I couldn't be asked doing anything about Star Wars today, because contrary to the fact, I've seen every fucking movie at the cinema. I'm not really a fan, and I think the whole shebang is a bit lame. This is not to denigrate your love of the franchise, but I'm officially out and feel relieved that I can break the cycle when the next movie is released by just deciding not to bother going. You don't have to go. Why are you going if you don't really like them? Why have you got this strange habit? Come on, Hamo, you can do better. I'm not going to go to the next film. And remember, I said that when you see me at the cinema, lamenting that I again got suckered in and went and saw Rogue Squadron. I have lost so much of my life to a movie series that bores me shitless and I honestly find the whole run of movies overall as exciting as a vanilla wafer in a manila folder pressed up against a beige wall that's then covered in cream plaster and sold to a rich family at an exorbitant price who are just a bunch of assholes who are buying it because it's an investment. You know what? That's my Star Wars hot take. Johnny Marco, as played by Stephen Dorff, is one of the most famous actors in the world and decides to stay at the infamous Chateau Marmont, a well-known Hollywood retreat while he recuperates from a minor injury. Marco has it all, money, fame and professional success, but is trapped in an existential crisis as he lives an emotionally empty life. When his ex-wife suffers a breakdown, Marco must look after his 11-year-old daughter, Cleo, L. Fanning, and as they spend time together, Marco begins to mature and find a way forward out of his current situation. This is Sophia Coppola's Somewhere. Decisions shape your life. You'll be aware of fire. 
take Cleo? When you come back? I don't know. something to say before I tell you uh, anything though uh, I did some research on this movie yep. it's pretty polarising really yeah reviews were on Rotten Tomatoes which isn't the best you know place uh. to really work things out it's around 70% but mm. You know, they also have the uh, reviews by the audience, and it was like at 49%. Whoa, yeah, really? Yeah. And, th- you know, at the bottom, there's like four different reviews of just punters or whatever, and they range from five to one star. <sighs> one star. So, before I say anything, what. What's your initial thoughts on oh, this movie? It's my favourite of the ones we've watched so far. <laughs> Mate, it's my favourite as well. I fucking loved it. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that our favourite's the one about a broken middle-aged man wrestling with his own internal emptiness, but, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I thought it was fantastic. It's, and, it's really good. And I thought this was honestly one of the funniest movies I've seen yeah. in a long time, yeah. Yeah. beginning with, once again, another perfect opening shot I have no idea how long it went uh, but I could have just watched that car going around for possibly another hour Mm. and doesn't this opening pretty much sum up the whole film this guy goes around in circles and at some point will stop for unknown reasons (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 and looking lost when he gets out of the car no point yeah of the motor you know spluttering out and yeah absolutely yeah, that opening. Uh, there's a few shots in the film that go for what some would describe an excruciating long time. Yes. But all of those became incredibly intense sequences. Yes. And I, there's one I want to get to in a bit. I'm sure uh, it struck out to you as well. Yeah. Look, there's a dreamlike quality to this movie that in some ways to me felt as dreamy as, say, uh, Lost Highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just... It's like it's a different type of dream. It's a, a daytime dream that lacks any real hmm. menace. Though it's funny, uh, you know, when you're watching the car go around so many times, yeah. did, did you have a moment where you thought, oh, is there going to be an accident at some point? Yeah, yeah, I thought something dramatic would happen, you know, <laughs> like he'd get T-boned or something would happen. But, yes. you know, it becomes very clear what's going on when he pulls over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's funny you say that dreamlike quality because, you know, that it, it's, the kind of, it's the dream of... Nothing like it's the nothingness. It's it, it's just you know. Wait, w- when do we do that thing? Was it Wednesday or Tuesday? Oh wait, that was last week. Fuck, I, I'm I'm kind of sleepwalking through my own life. Yeah, stuck in these patterns and routines, and I related to it very much. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. going back to certain wells that you think are going to make you happy, but ultimately, you know, you're left feeling very empty. You know, I think his face while he's watching the two strippers that come to his apartment multiple oh. times sums the entire thing up, you know, just... Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's heaps of scenes, actually, that sum up 
the whole movie. And I guess it's also interesting after the first few films that we've watched and mm. then you get to this. It, this is in some ways a, a male-focused yep. movie, but it's through the female gaze, mm-hmm. which makes it really fascinating. And it's it's also doesn't have what feels like a standard uh, through line. Mm. It's it's a collection of vignettes that yep. all add up to tell a story. Yep. I couldn't stop laughing from the moment when he fell over and broke his wrist to the girls pole dancing to the Foo Fighters, My Hero. I could not <laughs> yeah, yeah, stop yeah. laughing. <laughs> and I've got written here, each song, uh, each scene feels like it plays out much longer than what a normal director would go for. Yep. And I love that choice. I think it's, well, it's perfect because it's putting you in the headspace of the main character. Yeah. You know, I mean, I never got bored, but I can see how people, after while it's like yeah okay let's yeah we've been what like that pole dance that first pole dancing <laughs> sequence goes for two and a half minutes it's ages. And, and there is like kind of disconnected from the entire <laughs> thing as he is yeah and has gone through the motions you know it's kind of bad like it's not the best dancing you've ever no, seen but it's also kind of impressive because <laughs> yeah, it's just it is impressive like it's just in his bedroom and <laughs> they've they've set up their own poles yeah yeah <laughs> But the look on their faces was fantastic. It's just that kind of, you know, it it reminds me of comedians kind of, you know, clocking in on the shit gig that they've got to do, but there's no real passion to do it. So just press play on the tape recorder in your chest and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. Very good. I've seen that look on really famous comedians (laughs) after they've just done a really big gig and they walk off and you think, wow. How good must it be to be in your position and not feel anything at that moment? (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there, right? We've all been there, you know. Oh, yeah. Halfway through a gig or halfway through something that you think is going to be really profound to you and suddenly it's just like, oh. I know. That was just a thing that happened. Just a thing that happened. Yeah. The blank looks on their faces, the (laughs) blank look on his face, but also both kind of giving to each other. (laughs) Like, it's not like they're... It's not like anyone's, you know, phoning it in, but it's also at the same time, yeah. It's it's just a transaction. Yeah, but there is a sense of kind of um, appreciation <laughs> yeah. to the whole thing. Well, that's one of the things. I I think it, he is, and we'll get into this a little bit later. I think he's a fascinating character mm. because I can understand. I am sure we will get people writing to us saying, "How could you like him? He he was awful," and I can understand that you could watch that and have those sorts of feelings but i think there is actually so much going on throughout this whole film yeah yeah. and i like he's deeply flawed but there are real certain moments that i'm on board that he wins me over yeah i I think it's i think it would be cheap and dismissive of someone to say categorically that he's awful Mm. he has awful traits Mm. but he is an it is an incredibly nuanced performance yeah uh, and the fact that he is fully aware of his flaws as a human being yeah. and obviously works towards actively wanting to turn away from the person that he is. You know, I mean, regardless of the individual activities that he's doing, it's a story about a person stuck in a in a in loop. loop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And can't break the loop. Yeah. Um, and as a person who's experienced addiction, as a person who's known 
people who have experienced addiction and continually do things that are not the best decisions for them, but, you know, whatever, they devalue themselves, they think they're pieces of shit, this is all I deserve, uh, it, it resonated profoundly for me. Yes. It was a very true depiction of that type of mentality. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the criticisms of the film were, oh, she's gone back to the well again of exploring this ennui with fame and fortune. And it's like, well, sorry? but I also... Like, yeah, A, uh, who gives a shit? Uh, like, yeah, well, fucking yeah. as if this Christopher Nolan fan is going to be <laughs> saying someone's concentrating on one thing too much. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, but also, I, I think it's completely unique and different to the previous characters that we've seen. Yeah. He's, and I'm not even entirely certain it's a movie that's saying that it's all awful. It's, it's, it's not saying it's all awful. No. If anything, lots of it's really good. Mm. And even the really good stuff can just, if you have too much of it, bland you out. Yeah, it's just, it's just commonplace. Yeah. It's just, you know, I mean, he just takes... Everything that is quote-unquote good about his life has it has been so the norm for so long that it's completely taken for granted. Yeah. You know, there's that scene where he... I can't remember why. He opens his um, hotel door room in his yeah. towel and the yeah. neighbour just kind of goes, hey, he's like, hey, and just kind of walks into her apartment. <laughs> right. It's just a given. Of course she's going to have sex with him because he's the big famous actor. Yes. But there's nothing in him that's like... Whoa, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, it's just, oh, well, I better go through with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's almost like an obligation. Yeah. You know, to himself and to, you know, his fan base. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, I think there's um, there's a lot going on in this. Yeah. Mm. The, just one thing I want to get to before we go too much further is I've read and also received some uh, from some of our big squid peeps that mm. they find some of the shots of women by Sofia Coppola to be bordering on sexist or at the very least, no better than men. Mm. Uh but my take is that she not only celebrates women, she also lets us view them sometimes while ridiculing the male gaze. So case in point, the pole dancers scene works because it not only shows what these women can physically achieve and how they look, but the payoff is they just turn around and put the pole away and leave <laughs> and go to their next job. And yeah. like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that the pole dancing scene from their perspective is very utilitarian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. You know what I'm like. I, I, I hate seeing everything through these filters of, is that problematic? Is yeah. This, like, uh, yeah. It's like art. You know that old phrase of like, you know, I don't know what art is, but I know it when I see it. And yeah. it's the same with, you know, gross problematic stuff. It's like, right. I know it when I see it. Yeah. And just because a sequence doesn't necessarily jive with your aesthetic doesn't mean it's problematic and yeah. needs to be cancelled or edited out. It's just like, you know, I don't think Sofia Coppola is the biggest criminal in terms of yeah. negative depictions of females. <laughs> right. like, it's, it's, you know, and again, it's like um, she's conforming to her aesthetic. Yeah. And as a woman, is she not entitled to depict everything the way she wants to depict? Isn't that the great kind of project of equality and liberation and everything is that anyone can make the thing that they want to make yeah. as they see it. Well, isn't that also what she's brilliant at, yeah. which is every movie, regardless of how you feel about it, is clearly through her eyes. Yeah. And that's what makes it fascinating. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I find it uh, interesting. Maybe we've just... 
due to the way women have been treated poorly in the mm. past, maybe things are just broken to a certain extent that we can't have these kinds of scenes mm. and actually view them for what the director there is intending because we bring too much baggage. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think we're all uh, loaded up now on, you know, because of the internet, on the opinions of, you know whatever the zeitgeist is saying at any one time. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that those thoughts don't pop up in my head when I, you know, like we, we talked about it in the uh, Lost in Translation conversation when Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson are talking about um, the Japanese accent and why R's right. are substituted for L's and how that could be seen through the lens of problematic. And it's like, yeah, but also, no... It can just be two people talking about the linguistical difference of an accent. Like, it doesn't have to be, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there is something to be said for this is how they would talk. Yeah. That's what the characters would talk about. Yeah. And it's not necessarily saying it's right or wrong. It's just oh, what to- they would talk about. Totally. There's, you know, there, there's, this, there's this vein in film discussion or criticism, what do you want to say, where it's like... Um, for some, somehow, every character within a movie needs to be politically and ideologically aligned with the viewer, as right. though the viewer is a monolith. Yeah. Um, one of the great examples of that was um, a, a film that came out in 2012, I think, Snowtown. Oh, yeah. Have you seen Snowtown? No. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, I haven't seen Snowtown because I heard I've got friends who are cops mm. in Adelaide, mm. and I heard an awful story about the policewoman who was the first person down there. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I just, because I'd heard that, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. when you look at of course. The, mo- the idea of a movie and you go, I don't have a problem with it, yeah. but I've just heard a bit too much totally. and I feel a bit weird watching this. Totally. Uh, and, and I would not blame anyone for not watching that. It is, it is probably, the, at least in the top three, most harrowing yeah. experiences I've ever had. Yeah. Uh, but for that reason, I think it's a very responsible film in that. the sense that when it de- what it depicts is it makes you feel fucking sick. It's yeah. horrific. As, you know, to me... A movie like Wolf Creek is a hell of a lot more irresponsible, turning Ivan Milat into Freddy Krueger yeah. and giving him all these little quips. No, the guy's a fucking serial killer. Yeah. We shouldn't be celebrating him as one of the great movie monsters. He's a fucking monster. Yeah. Uh, for real. And so Snowtown is, I would say, the anti-Wolf Creek. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't show much, but when it does, it is beyond, beyond. Yeah. Uh, and I remember at the time reading a review of it, just going, this, this movie made me feel terrible. One star. And so, yeah, but that was the goal of the movie. Yeah. Was to make you feel terrible. Yeah. So the movie succeeded. Like, yeah. You, you don't, you're, you're not owed to walk out of everything feeling like, oh, that's sated every one of my needs as a human being. It's like, don't buy a ticket to the Snowtown movie if you want to feel good. Yeah. Like, I, what are you doing? I, I can't believe it. Like, I went in <laughs> yeah. with a song in my heart and then I went and bought a ticket for Snowtown and then I came out and it turns out there's some bad people in the world and now I feel terrible. Yeah. One star. One star. That, that's, you know, it's, ve- it's a very strange mentality. Well, what did you think that John Bunting was going to transform halfway through the movie into a woke PC warrior? Yeah. No, he's a fucking serial killer. No, there should have been a scene when he looked in the mirror and the mirror looked back at him and go, hey, mate, you're a piece of shit. What and he goes, doing, oh, no, mate? you're right. Turn yourself in, mate. <laughs> Turn yourself in, mate. That is, but that is also a statement on how we view entertainment now. Like yeah. once upon a time, you went to the movies mm-hmm. to learn some shit. Mm-hmm. 
and to be and to feel all things like this idea to feel all things. Yeah, this idea. Like I, I, I mean, I've always blanched together, even in comedy. That why should everyone just be like braying like mules and feel sated the whole time? There is an entire spectrum of ways you can feel. Yeah. Um, you know, and to, to, you know, in the in the realm of stand up comedy, Nanette was a great example of that. Yes. Like you know, to, sh- to, to uh, and you know, it wasn't Nanette didn't come out of left field completely out of nowhere I've seen other people do really heavy stuff yeah. and then flip it that was the first example what? to the world of like hey you can do this <laughs> yeah. you can feel multiple things it's okay it yeah. doesn't need to be all those you- male US comics freaking out about it well is this stand up comedy yeah, yeah it, it is it is it is because but- you can you can feel a spectrum you don't have to be there with some fucking sedated half smile on your face yeah. the whole time glazed like this is entertaining oh I feel like the success of mediums ruins the arts yep. like the, the success of stand up mm-hmm. in this country mm-hmm. has meant that we have a lot of really successful comedians that I would rather fucking take a potato peeler to my face mm-hmm. than view another one of their shows mm-hmm. and I'm talking about some of my friends <laughs> It's okay, Will, it's not you. I know Will's listening, freaking out at some point. But do you know what I mean? It's and, and then what happens was everything else was you could be straight stand-up. Mm. You could be, in inverted commas, weird. Mm-hmm. Look at me, I'm wearing time mm-hmm. in, in the shape of a cheese hat. <laughs> or And then that was fucking it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't yeah. be anything else. Yeah. Maybe it could be musical comedy, but yeah. even musical comedy, do you like? Who like? There's barely anything around anymore, and oh, yeah. like or, anyway. But and, in, and, and the result is always: I need everyone to be howling with laughter yeah. every twenty seconds. And it's like, nah, you can have some of the best gigs of my life have been two minutes of just dead silence from the audience, and then you make a fucking great joke or a great and the tension that pops. pops yeah is so much more profound than <laughs> like, yeah come on man Mate, one of one of my favorite moments ever on stage was you know at the end of uh, three dances where <laughs> you see the character of john do the stand-up you've already seen and yeah. then that nine inch nails song yeah, keeps yeah, playing yeah, yeah, yeah. and then i'd have it really loud yeah, like yeah, yeah. just and everyone's telling me it's too loud and i was like yes and there was one night in melbourne where I saw a poor girl put her fingers in her ears and put her head between her knees Good. and I looked down and in my head I was like I was like looking into the Ark of the Covenant I was about to burst into flame it's beautiful yeah, it's really good it's really good because <laughs> that's exactly what you're meant to be experiencing yeah, absolutely it's awful yeah. what you're experiencing at this moment it's is correct and discomfort is thank valid thank you and I would love to have I don't know if she would have appreciated it but uh, who knows Does it, but it was great yeah. from my perspective totally. I loved it but yeah yeah, that that inability to just go to the movies or watch a TV series or read a book mm. to feel different things. I wonder if, once again, is this the issue with 24-hour seven-hour news and the internet where you we just see so much shit yeah. all the time yeah. that it's made us lose the intellectual... Uh, capability of going 100%. and enjoying things that are different. A hundred percent. And, you know, like, you know, uh, removing context from things and applying this kind of 2021 or, to, you know, whatever you want to say, late 
2020 teens uh, perspective onto all things as though we have finally arrived mm. at the consensus reality that we were all... And it's like, no, no, no. In 10 years, we'll look back on things in 2020 and go, oh, my God, that was out of control. Yeah, what was As that? we do, you know, that's the evolution of culture and everything. But, you know, the inability to bring context to stuff, you know, like say what you will about... Quentin Tarantino's use of the N-word in his films. Everyone has their own opinion. But the one that the one that I blanched against was when people were getting offended or upset when it was being used prolifically in Django Unchained. Oh. It's like, well, but the movie's set yeah. on a slave plantation. This is how people spoke then. Yeah. And, yeah, sure, that word can make you uncomfortable. Yeah. But it would... It, it's, it's historically appropriate within the story that is yes. being told yes and so I, it would feel reductive to not have the word yeah. used get down on your knees you african-american yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i'm gonna respect you i'm gonna whip you and i'm gonna enslave you but i'm gonna yeah. respect you in the language that i use yeah because because I mean, there's someone in the future who might get offended it's, it's very strange yeah but, you know w- whatever maybe that's not the hill to die on <laughs> well no no I, I think it is uh, well you don't die on it but it's definitely yeah. worthwhile getting to the top of the Three film, I'm going to take a guess. The three films that you think are the most harrowing are Snowtown, Schindler's List, and The Shape of Water. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to do that to bring up Shape of Water. Yeah. <laughs> um, so once again, one of the consistent criticisms of the of the reviews that I read about um, the movie was it's another ode to the woes of being a Hollywood star. And I, it's just funny. I just... Like, I know he's rich and he's super successful mm. but it, like that could have been a story about a plumber yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. again it, you know the, the this idea of like I have to bring my own kind of ideology or experience to everything that I watch it's it, it, you can relate to him just through metaphor right yeah like I don't need to see <laughs> I don't need to see exactly myself on the screen I can yeah. extrapolate and go oh yeah I felt you know I'm not rich, I'm not a celebrity, but I can definitely relate to how yeah. aspects of how that guy feels. Oh, yeah. I can relate to aspects of how the 11-year-old daughter feels. And yeah. I'm not an 11-year-old girl. It's yeah. fine. Like that's isn't that the point of art and movies is yeah. to hey, like hey, we're all kind of humans and there's commonalities across the board no matter what you do and who yeah. you are and isn't that the great unifying thing? It's good to finally put to rest those rumours about you being an 11-year-old girl too. <laughs> good for you to finally refute it. But that, that is exactly it. Like you do see aspects of yourself like, and we'll get to it uh, in a second but the, the, you know, the first scene with the ex-wife right. and the daughter and him and you just go, I understand all three of these all people. Of yeah. And I understand every angle that they're coming from. The so once again, I think the humour in this movie is pitch perfect. From the scene where he follows the woman in the car, in the off chance mm. that because he's so used to someone makes eyes at him, oh well, I guess I want to have sex, and then yeah. he follows, and then she just goes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it's it's funny. He's it cuts straight to him sitting alone, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of not knowing what to do, and then cut. New pole dance is yep. over. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I found that really funny. Yeah. But also uh, incredibly telling about the character. Oh. And I think Johnny Marco's just... And Stephen Dorff's performance is unbelievable. His, yeah, and, it, and as the movie goes on, it becomes increasingly remarkable. 
Yeah. And then finally with that pop at the end, you know, what yeah. it's all building to, it's like, oh, I didn't even think you were, as an actor, based yeah. on what I've seen previous to this moment, I didn't know you were capable of going to oh, this yeah. level of intensity. Because everything's been so sucked out of him and drained. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the greatest acting moments from him is when he's doing the photo shoot with the oh, actor. My God, with Michelle Monaghan, oh, who I love goodness. so much. Oh, my goodness. She's and- always, she's always... A hundred percent in like, every movie. In? Uh, like she was in True Detective. Right, okay. Like she's been in heaps of yeah, things. Yeah, I mean, that's great. The sequence. And what's going on in his eyes is a masterclass of acting. Yeah. You know, the way he shifts from like, okay, quite photo time and the, sm- and the fake smile. And then yeah. the eyes just kind of weirdly vague out. And you can yeah. see the sorrow and the horror and the yeah. shame and everything that's going on. It's an yeah. a- unbelievable performance. <laughs> and that scene also finishes on a really funny moment where, because Monaghan's giving it as all, yeah. you know, puts on the fake smile and the yeah. eyes twinkle. And then she gets that venom in her <laughs> eyes, which, you know, which appears to be a justified. Venom, yeah. and then she just fucking hits him with a you know, it wasn't even that good, and walks off. and He stands there awkwardly for a while, yeah, and he's standing on a little hype box, <laughs> <the> hype box <laughs> and he gets off, and he's like. Uh, so did we get everything? Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. he's just moved on yeah. to the next part. And then that appalling press conference. It's the just press conference yeah. is an absolute <laughs> highlight where they're asking him about the nuance of the character in the movie, and he's like, "What?" I mean, it's almost an abstract <laughs> scene because he never once answers a question no. and they never follow up. They just go to the next question. Yeah. It's like this w- nightmare of a press conference. Yeah. Like, wait, what? Well, I'm, like, I'm at school and I'm not wearing pants. It, like that it, kind of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. It fits into the dreamlike quality <laughs> yeah. of the whole movie yeah. that, that it is exactly... I hadn't really articulated yeah. it, but it it does feel like... He's turned up to school without his pants yeah, and he's not ready for the test. Yeah, it's HSC time and I didn't study. Fuck. And he's oh. just and a vague look on his face, <laughs> yeah. like, back and forth, like, he's got nothing to say. Yeah. I did... I, I went into this expecting something good from him because I watched season three of True Detective oh, okay. and he turned up in that and he was the, the support actor to Mahashala Ali and he was... Spectacular. Yeah, great. Yeah. It was one of those things where you watch it and you go, how did I forget Stephen Dorff? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, one of those yeah. performances? Yeah. yeah, it was great. So uh, I, I'd already mentioned to you the first scene between the ex-wife, his daughter, and, uh, and Johnny, which you immediately just know the complete dynamic. That yep. whole dynamic. Yep. Everything makes sense. Yep. And you think for a moment that maybe the film will change, like this moment of reality will bring Johnny back to Earth. But then he takes her figure skating and everything is still shot through with this dreamlike haze. And I interpret this as meaning even when the real world encroaches, he still views the world completely through his own POV, which which sounds obvious, but it's like oh, now I've got to be responsible, but he's still in that dreamlike state. And I found that skating scene to be just as mesmerising as the yeah. as the car at yeah. the beginning. He's, yeah. on, he's kind of on his phone. We don't really know what he's texting about, but it's probably not good. Oh, yeah. And he's watching, but he's kind of engaged as well while he's watching her and, and seeing yeah. his daughter be, you know, wonderful and, and you know, a beautiful young person. Yeah. It's such an amazing scene, right? Yeah, it's a beautiful scene. And there's a moment where he, 
uh, kind of comes out of that dream yeah. of just because you know his interactions with his daughter. I mean, they get, they increasingly warm up, but initially it's just one more thing. Yeah, you know, uh, wake up, get the call, go to the press conference, get a stripper. Yeah, you know, it's just one. It's 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 you know, oh, that's what's happening today. Okay, I've got to take my yeah. daughter ice skating. Uh, and then he's on the phone, and then there's a moment where he is pulled out, and he's like, "Wow, she's really fucking yeah. good," and I'm really proud of her. But he plunges straight back down to it in the next scene where he's in the car with her, and he's like, "So, you know, when did you pick up ice skating? <laughs> yeah. Three years ago." Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's like this yeah. moment of beauty is yeah. just a little reminder. You could have been enjoying this for three years. Yeah. yeah. But he's also, you can understand why his daughter loves him because it, there's like the little scenes like, what's going on with that SUV following us? Mm. You know, so he's fun. Mm. And then he also later on when he's talking to her about, she's obviously reading the Twilight books and he's like, he's properly engaged. Mm. He's like, well, hang on. Well, why doesn't he just turn her into a vampire? Yeah. You know, like he's, yeah, yeah, he yeah. listens. He's, it's almost like, Whatever's in front of him has his focus. Yes. And then as soon as that moves, then he's lost again. Yeah. God, I can't relate to that at all. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Uh, I'm the opposite. I'm too busy thinking about everything and then can't do anything. Um, Paralyzed by choice. (laughs) Yes, I'm exhausted. Uh, The way he keeps getting a private phone number text message from a person yep. accusing him of being an arsehole. Yep. And the way he doesn't flinch before yep. discarding his phone <laughs> gives a real insight into how he approaches life, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that we never find out. Never. That, that never builds to, you know, ooh, a big confrontation at the end. I mean, it might not even be the same person. Yeah. It could be multiple people. Oh, yeah, I didn't actually you know check. What I mean? it's, it's like not necessarily one person. <laughs> and, um. and once again, this is where, this would be one of those things where if someone said to me, I don't like the character because of the way he reacts to those messages. Right. I, I can't argue with that, yeah. but I have to be honest, it made me laugh every time the way he would just read it and then just kind of put the phone aside. Yeah. Well, he's in a, st- like, he's, he's in a state. He's not present in his own life yeah and so if he's not present doing the thing that he ostensibly loves and is famous for why would he be present you know it it wouldn't it wouldn't be true to the story or to the character if suddenly he gets a message going you're an arsehole and he like jumps into oh you're right i gotta make this good it's like no, no he's like he's not there i mean he says it at the end i am empty yeah he is he's it's one of the emptiest characters and that's the real amazing trick that's pulled off in this movie you are essentially given a hollow man mm. a wicker man that has nothing no substance at all he mm. likes to fuck he's depressed. he drinks he smokes he drinks he smokes he takes barbiturates yeah and you know. that's but there is a humanity in there that is profound but unless you are willing this is a very meditative film yes if you're not on board with long Locked off shots, <laughs> yeah. That can go for up to two and a half minutes, yeah. And you just go with it. I can see how people, you know, uh, wouldn't like it, yes, because the subtlety of his acting, you really have to lock in with his performance. You can't watch it with one eye on your phone and one eye on the screen. Yeah, it just can't be viewed like that. You know, I once again, I was so curious afterwards. Like I. I like to put everything together, get all my thoughts down, and then I like to have a look at where was this sitting in the Zeke guys mm. at the time. And, you know, there was criticisms of people saying, well, why, sh- why should I give a fuck about this character? And it's like, well, why, why wouldn't you? 
Mm. Isn't it like, isn't it just as tragic not to have a tragedy? Yeah. <laughs> like to yeah. have like nothing and, and there's, I've got this a little bit later on, so remind me if we get to it and we've kind of covered it here, but I, I kind of get the impression, one of my favourite scenes, like I could say that about just about every scene, but one of my favourite scenes is the young actor who is really excited about talking <laughs> to him and he's so nervous and he's such a nerd yeah. and he's so, you know, all of us in many ways. And then he kind of gives this response and, and, and you know, we know he's disinterested because he's seen someone that he wants to have sex with, but also his response is actually really honest and in the moment and you almost get the impression... He never picked this life. He just yeah. went along. He turned out he was really good at something. Mm-hmm. He obviously has talent. Like, mm. he can play piano. Mm. You know, like, the, the way he's playing piano is beautiful. Yeah. He can obviously appreciate beauty. You see it in... And once again, I've got this later on as well, when he gets that guy who's playing guitar to yeah. play and sing. And the, the way he talks about him, you go, this is going to be amazing. Then the guy sings and you go, uh, What? And then you realise... It is amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. That's, it's so, so he does have a lot of good qualities and positive qualities, but maybe he was just a guy yeah. who maybe should have been a plumber. But then it turned out he was a really good actor yeah. and then he ended up in this lifestyle and we know what this lifestyle is like. Yeah. If you are talented and you have a set of skills that people can make money from, mm. you will be protected, you will be mollycoddled, mm-hmm. you will be treated like you are infallible mm-hmm. and you will get lost if you are not smart enough or aware enough that this is going on and you are completely disconnected oh, yeah. from the world and I kind of can't blame him for what are his faults at this point in his life mm-hmm. because he's probably like how long do you think he's been a star because he's massive yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you get the impression that he's, you know, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt level famous. Yes, which uh, I didn't get for the first half. Like, no. I, I knew he was famous. Yeah. But when it wasn't until he gets to Italy that I went, oh, yeah, he's shit, really... this guy's mega famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost thought for a while in the movie they weren't even going to tell us what he did. Ooh. That he was just famous. Um, uh, but yeah, I, look, that level of fame is so alien that, I, you know, none of us can even, under, you know, I've, I think I've said this to you before, but, you know, people talk about Tom Cruise and like, what a freak and all this stuff. And it's like, man, I defy anyone to be that famous from the age of 20 uh, to not meet one person who doesn't hyperventilate oh, yeah. <laughs> as soon as they see you yeah. and not lose, I mean, and that, lose your mind. And that's something this film does really well. Just the subtle... Shots of him just walking and people double taking. Yeah. Or, oh, oh, that's him. That's him. Constantly. It, it never fucking stops. Yeah. You know. So I think in a weird way the disconnect is a survival mechanism. Yes, that's How what could I think you too. Walk, you know. Yeah. Like you hear stories about Brad Pitt being just this super nice lovely guy that engages with everyone it's like oh how do you do it? I can't imagine anything more exhausting. Well, you just you just oh. have to be you just have to be like because you just have to be open to the moment yeah. you know it's like uh, I think Hugh Jackman talks about he kind of looked at George Clooney mm. and modelled his approach on in interviews and all that to always be you know you, you have to find a measure of generosity and grace within your everyday life yeah. or otherwise you're going to get angry and you're going to be you, but then aren't you playing a character yeah all the time well you're playing you're playing the movie star. Well, you, 
Yeah, and that's why some people are really good at it and some people aren't. Yeah, but I wonder what you lose, you know, when do you, when are you ever yourself? When do you ever, do you know who you are? Well, you know, it, like, we'll never know. No. But I'm guessing, I feel like, I feel like when I watch someone like George Clooney mm. and you hear the stories about, you've heard that story about when he sold his tequila business and it made all the money Mm. and then he gave I might get this number slightly wrong he's got 13 buddies that were the people that he slept on their lounge and one of them is Richard Kind the actor Richard Kind and he had them all over for dinner and he gave them all these briefcases and it had millions of dollars in it and he was saying this is because you were there for me when I had nothing, and I am in this situation where I can now pay off your debt, I can pay off your house, I can do this, I can do this. What a great feeling that would be. Oh, yeah, (laughs) but also that says to me, that that suggests to me there is still a part of whoever he was Mm. is still right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as you can know, fame, fame is probably like power. You know, it's uh, it just. I can't believe I'm about to quote Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that piece of shit. But it is a quote that has existed for a long time. That the I think Lyndon Johnson said it. Uh, that uh, power doesn't make you corrupt. Power mm. just makes you more. Oh yeah, who you were before you had the power. Yeah, and it probably is the same with fame. You know, yes. and, we've, and we've seen that with people we know that have. Yeah. you know that are maybe a bit shallow and hollow inside and then they get the very thing that they think was going to make them complete and it's like no you're just still shallow and hollow you're just famous now yeah (laughs) and now your curse is to walk through the street not wanting to talk to anyone but people keep coming up to you (laughs) yeah (laughs) too bad so sad um Remind me after we've stopped recording to tell me exactly who you were picturing in your head because I had someone specific in my head as well. It wasn't Will. (laughs) Definitely wasn't Will. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes you just know that he's listening and you just need to. It's not you, Will. You're okay, mate. (laughs) Fucking relax. I also think that's when you see slippage. Like I think someone like Matt Damon seems like a really good person and and, and an honest person. But then there was, I think, this was years ago, but you saw the brain fart of him, I think, explaining. I'm being a little bit unfair because I can't quite remember it, but I remember him kind of talking about racism from a knowledgeable point of view to an African-American woman. Oh, gee. You know, and that to me me is a brain fart of... I think you're ostensibly a decent guy and a good guy, and I think what you're saying is correct, but you are being told all the time that you're Matt Damon, you're a great guy, and and you are missing the point at this this time and place, but context. By the way, just as an aside note, the first time his phone beeped and he got the text message calling him an arsehole at exactly the same time my phone beeped and I looked down and it was a text message from my mum but because I'd just read the message on the screen it was like it was imprinted on my eyes and I was like why is mum calling me an arsehole she wasn't she was just asking me if I'd watched John Oliver anyway the sex scene is great because it is shot Wait, which so one? beautifully. The one where he falls asleep between her legs like it's so funny because it's shot so beautifully but I don't know about you but sex outside of the people involved 
is always a little bit embarrassing. And uh, I found that hilarious. Uh, is that a correct read or does that say more about what I think about sex? <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. No, no, I think it was... I, I, it, it, I have actually seen a sex scene. I'm trying to think. Have I seen a sex scene like that where it was like the fumbling and the darkness and like oh, what, yeah. it, what it actually most of the time is? Yeah. Like just kind of like, wait, 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 well, yeah, this feels good. Oh, this is nice. Not this kind of like the music swells yeah. and it's beautifully lit. It yeah. was, you know, but, it was the, the drunken fumble. Yeah. is, you know, in the shadows and mm. it, it looks like it could be a Christian Dior perfume yeah, ad, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. and then suddenly <laughs> nine eyes <laughs> while going down on it. What is that, Jimmy? Jimmy, wake up. And then it's the <laughs> yeah. shut cut to him waking up in bed by himself. <laughs> Fuck, it was so funny. Like, yeah. I feel like this whole movie, like, for the... For the reviews that didn't like it, it's like, this is, this has comedic timing. Like, this has, to me, this has, like, the DNA of of Woody Allen's Manhattan. Mm. You know, it has, uh, it's just such a specific kind of comedy that never says at any point, Waka waka yeah, waka. Yeah, yeah, I think it's totally consistent with all the three movies we've watched of hers yeah. before this. Um, I think, and we haven't properly nailed it down or put language to it yet, but she has a comedic sensibility that runs through all of her yeah. films. Yeah. Um, they're all very funny, but yeah. not calling attention to... Ha- it's it's the... It's that just that subtle funniness of, I don't know, just the nuance of humans. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really... I, I, I'll think of a better way to say it. No, but it's hard to describe because yeah. it's not... Once again, we're, we're so used to that setup, setup, mm. boom, you know. It's all just permeated through mm. it. And it, all, the, all the comedy in this comes in those... Mm those moments that linger for so long it's like what you were talking about on stage you know talking seriously for six minutes and then hitting a boom you know just sitting with him smoking and taking barbiturates and drinking you think oh man this poor bastard like I wonder what's going through oh he's got two new pole dancers okay bang yeah yeah, that's funny but also like you know I'm probably saying more about me than you here but I did you I really I really related to that I've spent so many evenings you know maybe not sitting at a coffee table smoking cigarettes and oh but I mean in metaphor not that different yeah staring into the middle distance going what the fuck what what now? What do I do? I don't. Who am I? <laughs> like it's, you know, the the it was very uh, humanistic. I yeah, thought. I definitely had a period of that. Mm. Like when I specifically first moved to Sydney and was getting over just the the awfulness of the last few years mm. in Melbourne, mm. and then I got up here, and then it took me a while to. Mm-hmm get my head around things and uh, there was definitely I reckon there was like an 18 month period of that where Mm. I just kind of sat in my apartment and just tried to think my way you know was blank but was obviously trying to think my way through what to do next yeah yeah yeah. and it's um, and I don't think that's particularly a um, I don't think that's a particularly male thing I think that is just a thing right yeah oh shit no, it's all good. All right. 
I'll keep this in. Thanks. No, I can't be bothered trying to edit it. Sorry. Oh, no, no. Listeners, I, just, I thought I accidentally unplugged the microphone. No, well, you know what? Like, I accidentally unplugged uh, the microphone when I was doing the stuff with uh, Dave Anthony. It had just come loose oh, and got to the end of the recording, and he was so great. And then the audio on uh, – I had to use the Zoom audio, and I sent it off to an audio producer just ah, to right, spruce right, it right, up right, a little right. bit. Yep, yep, yep. But I had a – had a little brief moment of going, well, He's isn't doing it, it again? Isn't it great that of all the people I could waste their time as Dave Anthony? <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I think that is a definite kind of period in your life that uh, you know it can it can creep up on you, and it's hard to get through. And oh. and I'm not even sure at this point in his life he even knows that he has to get out of it. Like he's kind yeah. of just. Incapable of thinking any any step that's one further ahead. Well, yeah, and you know his entire—he's basically infantilized his entire life. Yeah, you know he's given everything he wants. He's told where to be. Yeah, who to talk to, and he just accepts it. Yeah, which is part of what I like about it. Like yeah. you know when like the. <laughs> It must be the promoter or manager calls him and says, you have to be on this thing. He's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I've got my daughter with me. Yeah, okay. You know, we'll sort of, okay. No yeah. worries. Cut yeah. to. He's doing it. Never complaining. Yeah. Like, never complaining. Just point me in the direction I need to go and boot me in the ass. Well, one of the, one of the scenes that makes me really, really like him like really like him is when he has the masseuse come over and he's initially really disappointed because it's not the girl that he asked for but he also once again just goes oh yeah okay and then when the guy gets nude and he freaks out and in a lesser movie this turns into a moment what are you yeah but all he does is he like he's freaked out he stands up immediately has a has a beer yeah and the guy says, I'll get going. And he's like, yep, no worries. Like, he's accepting of it. Like, he doesn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He doesn't get homophobic. He yeah, doesn't yeah, get yeah. aggressive. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, I'm not into this. Yeah. And the guy no will... No problem, man. <laughs> and, and that guy will leave. And you know what will happen? He'll get two new pole dancers. He'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's already moved on. No, I feel like he'd pay the male masseuse as well oh, for his trouble. He would have definitely paid. <laughs> Probably given him a tip. Yeah. The tip is make sure to the guy knows you're about to get your wang out. <laughs> But, they, you know, it's that, it's the, uh, you know, once again, the look on his face while all the people are asking him about the movie, the subtext, and he's like, ah, I don't mm. quite know what's going on. So I also love the scene with Benicio Del Toro right. where he's quite clearly awkward around other yep. big stars and yep. doesn't really have anything to say and <laughs> yeah. kind of kind of responds incorrectly to a story. <laughs> um, you know when he's leaving the elevator... <laughs> I had to go back and I couldn't quite pick up on it. Does Del Toro yell out to him, stay loose? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Should that be our new sign-off? Stay loose, everybody. Stay, stay loose. <laughs> that made me laugh. I laughed so hard and then I thought, did I mishear that? And then I went back and was like, stay loose. But, you know, it's such a funny scene to... Yep. You, once again, he's as big a star as this person, mm. but he is. Yeah. It's like he's starstruck by Benicio. Yeah, yeah, and oh, I don't know what to say to this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. It's like you, you—he might actually be bigger. Yeah, he might actually be the biggest star. Mm. Who knows? Yeah. Um, oh, we've already talked about the masseuse. Uh, so the the masseuse moment makes me really like him, and then it's not that long after he's an utter failure as a father when he invites that woman over to his apartment while uh, his daughter is staying with him, yeah. and then he's totally clueless as to why this is a bad move. But, it didn't stop me from liking him, but I did kind of want to... Yeah, that's probably sh- the most dog shit move in the whole movie. Yes. And um, it's like, come on, mate. 
Yeah, because you know the the way he uh, is sneaking around as the woman arrives at yeah. night. It's you know, oh, you're gonna have sex with her and then she's gonna leave. Um, no, she no. stays, has breakfast, gets yeah. up, yeah, kind of yeah, can't yeah. quite work out what the issue is. Yeah, yeah, doesn't even realise there's an issue to begin with. No, I mean just how inappropriate the whole right. the whole situation is. Also, and how inappropriate the woman is, you know. Uh, Do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> oh my god! Like she's totally inappropriate. Like. Uh, Elle Fanning is amazing. Yep. The look on her face while that woman is taking the phone call right behind her mm. is yep. like for such a young actor. Yeah, it was so great. good. Yep. Um, you can also tell that she really loves her dad despite his obvious flaws. I also love uh, Cleo's relationship with Johnny's friend Sammy. Who, I think that's his brother. Oh, well, that's... That's the so, impression I got. So I got a bit confused. I couldn't work out if it was his brother or a family friend and that he'd had all his life. Yeah. And when I looked it up, it said he was a, a friend. Oh, okay. But I thought it was his brother as well. That, but I mean, again, that's what I love about this. Just right. the, This is just this guy. And Who he comes could, and hangs out. Ma- you don't need all the exposition. You don't yeah. need all the... Um, again, you know, I think the criticism that people have of the movie, if they are criticising it, is the... Kind of the lack of narrative, yeah. You know that we do. I just, it's just a day in the life for yeah. these vignettes or whatever. Um, that you don't, you know, you don't know what his relationship with Benicio del Toro is. Yeah, you don't know what his relationship with his co-star is. Something went wrong, and yeah. you can assume yeah. that they slept with each other, and he promised his her his heart, and blah blah blah. And it turns out that he's a dog shit, yeah. and all this stuff. But uh, uh, just that kind of suggestion of, yeah, to me is so much more interesting than. You know, well, this is his brother. His brother has some jealousy issues that his older brother is a famous... Uh, no, no, no. He just likes playing Guitar Hero. It's fine. It's, it's all good. Oh. He's got a great relationship with his niece well, or his friend's daughter, whatever she is. To him. And also, that guy gives way better advice to yeah. Cleo. Like, yeah. it's, it's really telling that while, uh, you know, Stephen Dorff is up nailing guitar hero he's sitting there painting with yeah. her and discussing stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and I really I, I love that relationship as yeah. much as you know the relationship with the dad mm. but I think Elle Fanning is yeah. phenomenal yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a phenomenal little performance yeah. um, little as in she's a young girl yes. yeah um, I love his reaction to winning the award and then suddenly being surrounded by dancers <laughs> and once again just goes with the flow. Yeah. And you kind of wonder if this is what makes him a big star and also works against him, that his ability to just go with it. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of his ultimate strength and weakness, isn't it? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When those people come out and he's at first, he's like, what is happening here? But then very quickly is just happy to look at their asses yeah. really close <laughs> with his yeah. daughter sitting there laughing her ass off and yeah, him looking yeah, yeah. at her going, what's happening? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I, I could be wrong, but it felt like he looked at her to see if what her reaction was before yes. he started enjoying it. Because yeah. I kind of expected her, especially after what had happened yes. at the hotel previously, to be like, ugh. Oh, here he goes. Yeah, but, uh, but you know, she, she, she seems delighted by the awkwardness of the situation. Well, I think she gets the absurdity yeah. of what's happening, yeah. and then he has the. It's yeah. such a funny moment. <laughs> but also, once again, this is what makes this a superior movie to me mm. because in a lesser movie, that would have been, oh, you bring a girl over and then these women are dancing with mm. you and then there's some, I didn't ask those women to come and yeah, dance yeah, with yeah, me yeah, and you yeah. go, no. I can't help my desires. Yeah, no, she just saw it all happen and she went, oh, Dad, what's happening? And yeah. he's like, I don't know. <laughs> Look at her ass. Uh, the, the busker scene is uh, great, which we've all... Um, 
already talked about. Yeah. It also hints at that there is a, an, an emotional maturity or a depth to him, and it's like, you know, it feels like Cleo does f- help him find his way out of where his morass to a certain extent and kind of yeah. connect with that kind of stuff. Uh, I think that uh, I think that scene with the busker is really telling, and then that little glimpse of him playing piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's. Uh, I think. The- she help is the right word because he's not a total lost cause, and you see no. that in the the relationship he has, even if it's a you know uh, relationship in passing with the staff at the hotel. Yes, he's always incredibly warm. Yes, they all like him very much, very much. He and knows everyone by name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not just a you know. I mean, it's. It, 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 it's as deep as it can be with someone that you're kind of just interacting with for a minute or two a day, but it's not superficial. There yep. is a connection there and he does know stuff about them. And so there is a humanity in him, yep. which is probably uh, what is contributing to that sense of emptiness. Yeah. The fact that he can connect. He's not a complete lost cause. He knows what it is to feel joy, yeah. celebration, connection, but he just can't stay in that place. He always yep. kind of dips back out into his worst um, oh, yeah. his worst impulses. It's also like a, the, the story of a person who doesn't have enough interests. Yeah. Like, read a book, mate. Watch yeah, a movie. Yeah, yeah, listen, yeah. listen to it. Like, you obviously have an appreciation. It's like he's forgotten how to do these things. But he, but he, he craves human contact. Like, there's, yeah. a, there, there, there's another scene that's very telling. I think, it, I believe it's after the press conference. It's after something that doesn't go well. Yeah. And he's getting driven home, and then he's like, "Oh, we need to. St- I need to stop off and pick something up." And it's that great shot of him knocking on the door of s- some woman's house. Yeah, I don't know if we've met her before, but no. he's just obviously some fuck buddy that he's got. Um, and you know, you could say that scene is just like, "Oh, he's he's burying himself in sex again to forget yeah. how badly the press conference went." And it's like, yeah, but also maybe he just wants to be held. Yeah, you know, and just feel connected to someone I, I you know i think a lot of sex addiction maybe has a lot to do with um you know needing intimacy yeah. beyond just getting your rocks off yeah um and that yeah i think that scene was really it kind of heartbreaking it was like oh, oh yeah come on oh, mate. buddy just go home <laughs> yeah just like go on <laughs> go home. call your daughter <laughs> yeah have a chat to your daughter it'll be heaps better than everything that you've just experienced yeah. um what type of movies do you think johnny makes Oh, like big action movies. He's yeah. an action star. Yeah. Because he's got international fame. Yeah. And it's like international mega fame. So yeah. it has to be cross-cultural, cross-borders. So he's, he's in the Mission Impossible yeah, movies? Yeah, I think he's a Tom yeah. Cruise or a, um, you know, a Brad Pitt, but, you know, not doing kind of artsy movies. Yeah, he's not doing the character stuff. Not, yeah. not just yet. Oh, I mean, we see that, and I'm surprised you haven't brought it up yet, but my favourite, favourite, favourite scene of the entire film when he's getting the latex on his face. Uh, so, yeah, I was going <laughs> to... Mate, well, we, we may as well talk about it now. Like, I haven't felt... I, I haven't felt that nauseous and yeah. on edge yes. since Lost Highway. Right. When that shot wouldn't stop and I yes. went back in time it is a full 90 it's a full 95 seconds mate which feels a lot longer a lot of longer the, of the camera slowly zooming in on him with all that plaster yeah. latex on his face and you know of course your brain starts making a face out of the yeah and it's and it's a, a screaming face it's, yeah. it's not a pleasant happy face yeah and the oh, yeah of the breathing I that was 
out of control. And, and right towards the end, the breathing just, the rhythm changes just ever so slightly. Yeah. And it's enough to freak you the yeah. fuck out. Yeah. That was an incredibly upsetting, disturbing scene within, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't say there's another scene like it in the film. That Nothing. really, really put me on edge. It was a real scene of horror. Yeah. Horrific. And real Lynchian horror. Oh. And also, like, like, like a lot of great horrors, for a part of that, I was laughing hysterically. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then it kind and then of it went, suddenly turns. Like, uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about the singing detective, but I finished it um, oh, the other day, yes. and that's another one. Uh, for anyone that hasn't seen The Singing Detective, get onto it. But there are scenes in that where you are laughing and then just a little shift yeah. and suddenly it's like, oh, ugh. <laughs> I'm going to fucking puke. That yeah. is not good. And not puke because it's grotesque to look at. Yeah. It is, you are getting under my skin. Yeah. You know, you are you are setting off some kind of um, existential dread in me that well, I can't quite define. This, this is also part of what makes you think... And once again, this is a movie that asks you to engage with it, to fully understand it and appreciate it. But he has that done, doesn't complain, doesn't complain at all. And after it's done and he puts on the thing and he looks like an old person, he sees himself as an old person, never mentioned again. Like in any any other storyline, you know, that person, oh God, I was freaking out because that 90 seconds was what was it six hours for him like he would have been in there for ages and it's had no effect so how much how much of this kind of stuff has happened to him over the years that he has just kind of zenned out totally and this totally. is how he copes with all of it. Yeah, and, 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 and like you say, a lesser film, you know, the next scene would have been him in bed with a stripper going, oh, you know, I had latex on my face today. I felt really caged in. I yeah. felt really claustrophobic. You know, I feel like that's <laughs> metaphorical of my mindset right now. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> we got it. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be... Um, we, we should create a podcast where we make really good movies shit, <laughs> but uh, shit but profitable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, somewhere, you know, we retitle it, somewhere in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rewrite all the scenes. So yeah. every, everything that we rewrite spells out the subtext. What did that 90-second scene of him covered in plaster mean? Oh, my mean? God, and the slow, the, the oh. zoom where you're not even entirely certain it's happening. Yeah. Yep, and that mouth that's not a mouth. That's Jesus. Doing, it was very good. It was like House of Wax or something. Oh. It really fucked me up. Yeah. No, I had, I'd had i kind of kept that a little mm. bit towards the end. Mm. Like, I literally have a few uh, questions down. How did the makeup scene make you feel? Mm, not good. Uh, not good. Not good at all. Um, one of the things I noticed was the sound of his Ferrari. Yeah. It's sounds like a dream to me. And it, it sounds like if you say to me, Imagine what's the best sounding car in movie history for me. It's uh, Steve McQueen and Bullet. Uh-huh. And it kind of has that kind of, it almost sounds like it's not real because it's such a perfect uh, version of that sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment he's driving and he sees the car crash, and oh, that's right. And it's, it's funny, it's it, once again in a lesser film that would be like, oh, I've got to be careful because I could be that person. But once again, it's still like that dreamlike state, isn't it? Like it's just something that you pass on your way through that you think, oh, that was weird. And he just continues. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, do you, think, do you think that sits in his head in some way? I think it sits in his head the way... Because he 
looks at it and then looks away very quickly as yeah. though, and, and it reminded me of you know if I've uh, spent the evening smoking and the next morning I'm walking along the street and there's a cigarette packet and the picture is a charred black lung I whip my head away really right. quick as though if I look at the packet for too long that'll happen to me oh yeah you know I'm cursing you know the, this yeah. weird magical thinking um, and that that reminded me of him as well you know you get these little kind of you know reality intrusions of yeah. like hey man like could be, be you this could be you no 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 if I look away really quickly it won't be <laughs> yeah yeah if I, <laughs> if I don't let it burn into my retina I'll be fine oh man my mum used to like you know it's that old cliche hack joke about the warnings on the cigarette packets but when my mum chain smoked yeah. she would literally I'd go to the service station with her and she's like packing a winnie please and they'd give her the one that says lung cancer and she'd literally make them exchange it for some one that said, yeah, you know... Gangrene you know, foot. Yeah, gangrene foot. And guess yeah. what? She ended up getting lung cancer. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's a, swapping the packet, not a good plan. Yeah. Actually, it uh, <laughs> doesn't make any difference. When Johnny says sorry for not being around enough to his daughter and she can't hear him because of the helicopter... Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> like... Perfect. <laughs> like... Yeah. Tragic. Could have just walked three steps forward, bro. He could have just walked up to the car and told her. Right. And then he just turned like <laughs> yeah. he pulled like he's come to this realization mm. because she's been upset. It's a really sincere moment. I think the character's sincere yeah. and he really is being very honest and and that's probably the most open he's been in the whole movie and that he has no idea that that fucking helicopter is so loud that she can't quite hear what he's saying. And also, he just turns around and gets into a helicopter and flies off. Like, that is like... If, if that helicopter had crashed into a mountain, that's like a scene from The Simpsons in its <laughs> hilarity. Don't you think? Yeah. I would argue that he does realise that she can't see, hear him. Oh, do you reckon? Yeah. I think that's... That's his first moment of true emotional honesty, and yet he's not brave enough yet to step outside of this cacophony to actually be heard. And I think that links in at the end when he gets out of the car. Yes, right. I think he's not hiding behind noise or facade anymore. It's just he's free. Yeah. Um, So do you think he initially realises it, or do you think he says what he says, realises she doesn't hear, and almost feels like, whew, dodged an emotional bullet there either or it doesn't matter I think but I I do think that he knows that because she does she goes like this I can't she goes I can't hear you yeah yeah Uh, and he doesn't make any you know he could literally walk four steps forward and just walk up to her in the car and go hey yeah and then she just waves to him yeah because she knows what her dad's like yeah yeah I think she knows that he's made a breakthrough but also knows that he's not yet there to be able to say it clearly you know it's like those dads you know (laughs) give you a Hug. Yeah. Uh, uh, don't really know how to, though. <laughs> yeah. Here's, here's a stiff moment that you'll always remember and not for quite the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, only a few more questions. Uh, we see his emotion finally catch up with him and the one time he asks someone to come over and she rejects him. Mm. You know, and that's his ex-wife, right? Right. I didn't realise that was the ex-wife. I, I'm pretty certain that's the ex-wife. I think. I got uh, once again. I got a little bit confused yeah. because once again, nothing is totally spelled yeah, yeah. out. And but again, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. It's the first time he's asked. Yeah. Like after just opening his door, and then a woman being on the other side saying "Hey," and he's like, "Well, better yeah, have yeah, sex," yeah, and yeah. just constantly, the first time he actually asks for yep. any kind of emotional help, he doesn't get it. Yeah, I mean, I thought it could be the person that's been texting him. Could be or one of them. It could have been the ex-wife. It could have been someone he met. 
two days ago. Yeah. I, I don't think it matters. I think the point that is he's hit his rock bottom, he's asking for help, and he's turned down. And probably turned down for correct reasons because yeah. he hasn't been yeah. present in all of these relationships. Do you think... So my kind of final question on him is, is he an idiot man-child who needs to grow up or is he potentially someone who's been hurt to such an extent? Maybe, you know, maybe the divorce. Hmm. That he's retreated into this world as a means of surviving to protect himself. Both. (laughs) Right. Because part of being an idiot man-child is not being able to deal with, you know... Right. The humps and bumps of life. I guess, yeah. Like, his um, inability to fucking cook spaghetti is... Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. Like, yeah, that yeah, says yeah. a lot, doesn't and it? And the way he eats it, just, like, shoveling uh, in his giant mouth like a, like a kid eats it. You know, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I think, uh, look, it strikes me as someone who has... You know, and, and, and God, if I'm being honest, it's probably resonating with me a bit at the age that I'm hitting, where it's suddenly, yeah. you know... The, the, the hideous part of aging isn't necessarily the physical decline and all that. It's realizing all these cliches that you rolled your eyes at when you were in your 20s are oh, true. They're true. <laughs> they're true. They're really true. Like, and all of a sudden you're saying shit that 10 years ago would have been like, oh, fuck off. Oh. But uh, there is that real sense of, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no, I understand how midlife crisis has happened. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because one day you wake up and you're blinking in the light going, wait, what? Yeah. What? How? What? How? What happened? Yeah. How the fuck am I this age? Yeah. And where the fuck did all the time go? Yeah. And you know, all the time, you know, and and I think you know because we, we, we're creatures that live in kind of out displaced in time. You know, yeah. we're either in the past or in the future. But you know, when you when you hit us, you know, I'm turning forty, so there's enough time behind me that. You know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't know when it is. Yeah. You know, like, what part of my life am I in? Oh, that's right. I'm, you know, there's times I wake up in the middle of the night and it's like, oh, it's 2006 and I'm 25. No, wait a minute. It's not. It's 2021 and I'm nearly 40. Yeah. And it's not that you suddenly realize, oh, I'm 40. It's like you've suddenly aged 15 years in in a nanosecond. (laughs) Wait, what? And I think that starts accumulating and there's this real sense of bewilderment. Uh, and I feel like this character is that. I think it's that he's just put off the work. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's where he is. And Here it comes. Yeah, and it's overwhelming, and it's just easier to go, you know what, I am who I am. I like having sex with strippers. I like drinking, and I can't see anything outside of that. Yeah. And what, at the same time realizing this is... Uh, you know, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. This is not serving me and it is actively yeah. ruining everything. Well, it's a, you know, you wonder, do, do you like the booze and the strippers and the barbiturates or do you, you just do that because it's easier to do that than yeah. actually fix things up 100%. and, and when, connect with people and, in ways that you could end up getting hurt? Oh, like, I don't know about you, but addictive behaviours that I've had and have, uh, a lot of the time it's like I don't want to be doing this but yeah. it's like it's almost like I'm duty bound yeah. to the thing yeah. you know, but this is what I've always done yeah you know it's like that, that the, the, the neural net that has says that that's who you are is so set yeah that it would take a huge amount of active effort to rewrite those um, pathways those and pathways and yeah. yeah and um, yeah I, I, I don't know anyone who's around our age that still surrenders to 
compulsive, impulsive behaviours that enjoys it. No. It's not It's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not fun at all. It's, it's really bad. Yeah, and often we judge people, you know, from the outside. Well, just stop. Oh, yeah, well, cool. Yeah, right. okay, no worries. <laughs> Can you give me a brain transplant? Because yeah. I'd love to stop. Yeah. <laughs> also, everyone's got something. Yeah. Like, it could be working out too much or totally. an inability to enjoy butter on fucking bread yeah you know yeah absolutely and uh yeah i think um i think a lot of the time when people make those midlife changes where it's like right i'm getting into jogging and fitness and yoga and it's like yeah there you're approaching it with the same level of intensity as you approach oh, ecstasy yeah. and marijuana yeah but so, so it's it, that's your brain like you yeah. have to shift it you can't just approach it in a holistic way it has to be we're doing this now yeah 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 um yeah that's that's what i'm hoping the flip is at yeah <laughs> you were you were doing coke all the time and now you go to the gym all the time guess what you're still sweating too much mm-hmm. yeah, your heart rate's still incredibly <laughs> elevated you're still pale uh the, the the turning 40 thing you know we've talked about this yeah. but it's fucking tricky oh man it's a really I'm, tricky I'm, time yeah my advice celebrate the fortieth birthday, like mm-hmm. really celebrate it, mm-hmm. and then just try to be aware in the next couple of years. And I, I, I've talked about this before, but for me, the thing that sent me into a spiral, and this would this started in Melbourne, was I just started being treated as if I no longer had potential. Mm. That within the industry that I worked, this is who I was, and this is who I was going to be mm. for as long as I kept doing it, mm. and that was a bummer (laughs) it was such a bummer of a way to feel about yourself and you know even if even if you did something like i could go down to the melbourne comedy festival and tell a joke that is so profoundly perfect that an eagle could fly out of my arsehole (laughs) and everyone at the melbourne comedy festival would just go you know what i felt like he had it in him (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because they've made up their mind. Yeah, they, they've made their decision on who you are. Yeah, for and and it's not even necessarily a bad thing. Yep. Like you know, they the, a lot of the decisions that people make on you are good things. Oh yeah, but you're this and you're this and mm. you're this, and it's like well. There's got to be room to yeah. make mistakes and improve. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and it becomes quite psychologically paralyzing to try and get yes. out of that box because, yes. you know, it's, it's the reason that I never wanted uh, my old high school friends to come and see me do comedy because it's like, oh, you've seen me in the oven. Right. You know, yeah. being formed. So you know, or you know that this is a fucking act like right. it's an aspect of my personality but it's also an act that i'm putting on yeah and th- and just that awareness that there are people who can see you kind of stretching outside of the limitations that of what they define you as i find to be very paralyzing yeah it's it's um can be quite debilitating yeah you, you know your, your definition of me is me and right. you know you're going to call me out if i'm trying to extend my boundaries yes yes i've i've felt that uh with you know like the the plays you Mm. know like they're a bit weird and a bit strange and sometimes you would have people that you've known for a long time who you know like you and they'd look at you afterwards and they'd be like i don't know what to say because this is not you standing on stage going yeah you mispronounced lego That's my impersonation of me. <laughs> oh, I don't know my dad. <laughs> <laughs> <Turn it. laughs> 
be nice. You know, what we should do. We should put on a night of comedy where everyone does an impersonation of what they think they are oh. <laughs> as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> That's me. And I'm like, me, 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 Just a couple more things. Um, another thing that made me laugh yeah. so hard. That real poignant moment in the car with his daughter when she's crying, and Mum said she doesn't know when she's going to come back. What's going on with the mum? You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's happened in the past and all of that kind of stuff? Oh, awful! Yeah. Cut to he's taking a gambling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the croupier. Oh, can the young lady just, just take two steps back, back please? And, and he, he, he <laughs> does that makes all the difference. And he's like, um, he doesn't. Uh, hey, that's my daughter. He's like, hey, honey, can you just stand yeah. back? Okay, blow on it. We need a tan. Yeah, Way yeah, yeah. funny. Yeah. I, I think. I think she. She's a fascinating character. Where do you think Johnny and Cleo end up once she becomes an adult? Uh, you'd like to think that she has that kind of, you know... I, I mean, that kind of uh, acceptance of the humanity of her father and the acceptance of the humanity is the acceptance of the flaw. Yeah. And I, I, would, I would think that she would become somewhat of a parent to her parent. I think that too. That's exactly what I wrote down. I think she loves him and she'd end up being the mother. She probably, like she probably understands why her parents got divorced better than he does. Yeah, totally. But he's kind and he'd always be there. And, you know, maybe whatever happens at the end, maybe he is, you know, a better version of that but it's always still going to be that dude who can't make fucking spaghetti oh Um, absolutely and just because he fucking gets out of his Ferrari at the end and has a triumphant walk across the freeway he's not suddenly a different person no there's still work to be done so uh, so uh, a few like I've only got a handful more questions here uh, I want to get to that maybe I'll just save that for a sec Uh, could this be a TV show no no this is a movie this is it yeah. You don't need to, again. It, it would be betraying. It would be betraying the ambiguity of yep. the scenes to start locking stuff down into. Yes. This is what happens. Yes. No. I completely agree. Um, what do you think of him leaving the Ferrari? That final scene. I, I think it's an extension of him leaving the hotel. Yeah. It's just you know. But do you like that scene? It, I saw some people complain about. Why? Like some critics complain, just saying that it was naff. But I loved it. Well, it's it's just it's a metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know. Well, well the yeah, whole movie, yeah, the, whole- the whole movie's a dream. Of course. Yeah, it's like I just don't know what. Uh, I, I mean, again, like if it works for you, if it doesn't work for you, I can't argue against that. Yeah. But people, I, I I just find most people's criticism to be so fucking base. Yeah, I you think know, so it's too. either you know that wouldn't literally happen. Yeah, it's a fucking movie, mate. It's a movie. <laughs> I mean, if it works within the real world logic of the film, and that yeah. scene does work completely, you know, if if it was tacked on to the end of a normal coming of age father daughter drama, I'd go, yeah, right, well, maybe, it's naff. But in that context, it works. Well, maybe he gets picked up and he gets taken somewhere, and then he calls his manager and said, "I left my car here," and someone's gone and picked but it the up. Carpet for, doesn't don't matter. Forget, the car has been spluttering the whole fucking movie. Oh yeah, the car's fucking struggling. So you know, it, he's it, even though it sounds perfect, it's you know, there's a there's moments every time, right? Yeah. Am I imagining that where it's like. <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm fairly well, there certain. Are, there are a few. Well, well, it does break down at one point yeah, yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So. But beyond, it's just it's a fucking. There's a car to leave yep. its shell behind. Let's fucking relax, everybody. Um, which big movie do you think he missed out on because he's a bit of a flake? Oh, did he? Oh, like did, like character. What, what movie do you oh. think? What do you think he was up for that he missed out <laughs> on? 
It would have been some big franchise film where they needed him to hold his shit together over multiple years. You know what I mean? Oh, like, a, okay. like a Marvel franchise film where it's like, you got to have a squeaky clean persona. He's seen it too many parties falling downstairs. Oh, yeah. To... He missed out on Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been like a top tier Avenger. It would have been the, uh, the wacky human point of view character. Yeah. I wondered if he missed out on the Joker. No, I don't think he's that kind of nuance. I don't think he's your queen. Right. I think he's I think he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. Late stage Tom Cruise. Like yep. post Magnolia Tom Cruise. Yeah. When when Tom decided he's just doing action so blockbusters. You, so do you think he yeah, so do you think he like he turned down uh yeah. being in Magnolia or he turned down being in yeah, uh, pretty, yeah he might have been offered some kind of like Paul at, Thomas Anderson yeah, Paul kind Tom, of yeah, film yeah, and yeah. he went ah, nah yeah 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 he, he would have been Adam Sandler turning down Punch Drunk Love or something like that yeah you, know? yeah, you yeah. dummy you idiot that was the movie you should yeah, have made. Yeah, show us your range. And then he'd, he'd see he'd see someone winning an Academy Award for the movie that he knocked back, and he'd like not feel anything and go, "Oh, right, was I offered that?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> and finally, for you, I think the humour inherent in the movie is rammed home by the credits where we get Brian Ferry's smoke gets in your eyes within in his vampire crooning phase. And I just <laughs> thought that was just a perfect way to watch. I watched it all the way to the end just so I could listen yeah. to the, how perfect that song is. Um, do you have any other last thoughts on this film before we get to the squid bits? Uh, no, I think I've said it at all. I, uh, whether it's depressing or not, I did relate to aspects of this character. Yeah. Not, you know, not the getting strippers in my hotel room and yeah not and yet anyway not yet but uh you're not but, 40 <laughs> but that just that feeling of kind of uh waking up in your own life yeah and just being like wait what yeah where what what happened were you it's like that you know in the last line of twin peaks the return wait what year is this <laughs> oh yeah 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 exactly were you were you surprised how much you enjoyed this film uh well i hadn't i didn't know i knew nothing about it and just knew that it was kind of uh maybe one of coppola's less known films yeah i think i think i think that's probably all i knew yeah. as well and i could not stop laughing yeah all the way through the film last to, night. To be honest, I was I was not in the mood last night, and I was watching it, and I, I put it on like, ugh, all right, I guess yeah. sit here for an hour and forty, go do my homework for tomorrow, uh, and within five minutes, I was like, yeah. ooh, 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 very good. I, I've had uh, the last couple of days, I've had like nothing bad, but I've yeah. just had schedule. Yep. All over the place. This has been changed. We've got to do this. Oh, yeah. This has changed. This person can't come in at this point. All of that kind of stuff. And I was, I got to it late as well. And I was like, ah, I was just annoyed a, yeah. a little bit yeah. that I don't, I don't want to watch. Like I wanted to watch the film, but I don't want to have to watch yeah, it. Exactly. I want to watch it with an open mind. Exactly. And then, you know, yep. like you, a few minutes in, I was like, well, this has been a good choice. <laughs> I know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I love everything about it. I love yep. the way it's shot. I love yep. the, how long it takes. Mm-hmm. I love the music. Yep. I love all of the performances. Yep. And as I said, one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. Yep. Yeah. Uh, some squid bits for you. Sophia said some scenes were inspired by her childhood experience with her father. She recalls sampling all the gelato flavors in a Milanese hotel, which was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. You know, we'll get them all. We'll get them all. Yeah. Like, but that's as a as an eleven year old daughter. Why wouldn't you love your dad for yeah, getting yeah, all yeah, the yeah. gelato? We'll and get, also, it, and it, it, 
the way they're hanging out. Yeah, and it belies like something about him as well. You know that kind of like childish. You know, oh, if I was a millionaire, yeah. I'd get all the gelato. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he does. Yeah, yeah. That, that that to me, this um, once again that felt. I'm kind of reluctant to say this because I don't want to put any awful spin on it, but that felt a very Woody Allen-esque kind of scene. Mm. You know, there is, um, you know, in Manhattan when he takes his son out and he takes him to a Turkish bar, to, uh, you know, to eat and mm. drink and he has to put on a jacket and the way he talks, you know, it's, it's actually quite a cute scene. Right. He, you know, he's like saying, you know, those two women over there, you know, like if... You know, if you'd been a little bit more on your game, we could have been talking to those beautiful women. And he's like, the kid's like nine, you know, it's just a funny way to talk. Yeah. Um, and the way he's just laying in bed with his daughter, eating the gelato and just, yeah. you know, yabbering on. I, I thought that was a really cute scene. So yeah. it's, it, it's, it does not surprise me that it's uh, inspired by a real life yeah. thing that happened. Um, it she, seems like a very Francis Ford Coppola thing to do. Yeah. We'll order all the ice cream. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, she... Uh, Sophia denied that the movie is autobiographical, though, and said the character of Cleo was based on a friend's daughter whose parents work in Hollywood and then used her own experiences to relate to the character and give her a realistic touch. So that's how you get Cleo, which is... I'm always fascinated as to how characters are built. Mm -hmm. Uh, Federico Fellini's Toby Dammit was noted as an influence. This is a part... Like, I think it's a a movie called Spirits of the Dead and there's three parts in it and uh, Toby Dammit stars Terence Stamp uh, I won't go into it but it's worthwhile reading up yeah. like fuck this sounds like a phenomenal movie yeah, but cool. um, that movie uh, that part of the movie has music by Nina Rota who composed the music for The Godfather ah, cool. so I wonder if you know how she came to it yeah. anyway uh, she thought of Dorf for the lead role because he had the aura of bad boy actor, but also a sweet and sincere side. And you go, yeah. well, you nailed that. Uh, Coppola made the movie to look minimalist after the Marie Antoinette excessiveness. Mm. Smart move. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wanted the movie to be sweet and genuine, but not sappy. I yeah. felt like Perfect. just nailed it. Uh, for the visual style, she discussed Bruce Weber's Hollywood portraits and Helmut Newton's photographs of models at the Chateau Marmont. The main goal was to tell the story really simply and let it play out in long beats so the audience can discover the yeah. moment, which is why yeah. I, I think we both did that exact Absolutely. thing. There. You know, once again, from the word go, that opening scene lets you know, hey, this is how this movie's going to play out. Yeah, you just so you know. With this, yeah. But I, I, I oh man, I love shot. I love, especially in the age of you know the Paul Greengrass, you know, four hundred shots per second. Oh yeah. I just love. A, I love a locked off shot. Yeah. See, have you have you seen that movie, A Ghost Story? Uh, I don't think I have. Great fucking movie. But there's a, a scene in that where Room. I can't say her name. Rumi. I can't remember. <laughs> She's the woman from the girl with the dragon tattoo, Rooney oh, Mara. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rooney Mara. Yeah, uh, where she eats a whole pie. Right, and the camera just locks what? on her weeping, eating a pie. Right. <laughs> we're gonna sit there and we're gonna watch you eat a whole fucking pie, and it's gonna take minutes. Well, that sounds something that is much more relatable to me than anything that happened in this movie. <laughs> Crying, eating pie <laughs> by myself. Ah, oh, hammo. Um, Dorf spent a lot of time with Fanning before the shoot, He'd like pick her up from school sometimes. Yep. And I reckon their comfort level yep. is 
really apparent. I Definitely. think Fanning's performance is so yeah, sublime. Yep. She, oh, so good. Yep. Um, Chris Pontius, who plays Sammy, was picked because he has excellent improvisational skills and has a good rapport with children. The scenes with Fanning were mostly improvised to provoke a genuine response. And you think you about the that. things that he's talking and yep. her laughter, yep. you know, he is, he's a bit naughty. Yeah, yeah, yep. Without, But he's always respectful, but he's a bit naughty. Yeah, yeah, and, and kids love great. that. Kids love hanging out with an adult that's a bit like, oh, I don't normally yeah. meet adults like you. <laughs> yeah, normally adults talk to me like this. Yeah, yeah, but he's yeah. kind of talking yeah. to her on a level yeah. <laughs> while her dad's fucking yeah. ripping off yeah. fucking twentieth century boy, which I love, <laughs> which he fails at. Like yeah, that, yeah. that feels like a metaphor for everything about this character. Absolutely, he can't nail twentieth century boy on Guitar Hero, and he can't nail twenty first century boy in the yeah, real world. Totally. There is... Did you... Uh, oh, Coppola wasn't sold on Fanning to begin with, thinking she was a typical professional child actor, uh, but uh, she was suggested after the curious case of Benjamin Button, and so she met with her and was she like... that? I'm guessing... I haven't seen it for a long time, really? but I'm guessing she would be Kate Blanchett's character at some point. Ah, of course. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I don't know if you timed this. I didn't. I looked it up, well, but there is... How long do you think there is in the film until there's dialogue? Oh, it's like it's like fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's a full fifteen minutes. Yeah, no, I, I took note of that. The yeah. first, I thought you might have. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah, I thought. Yeah, I'd... yeah, It's he does say "well, crazy" or something like that. <laughs> right. Well, just in the first fifteen he, minutes before but, he takes the spill. Yeah, he says there's like one line. Right. Uh, no, 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 it's not. It's when he's watching the strippers. Right. They finish and he just goes, whoa, crazy. Right. But that's, but that's the only line of dialogue for that first 15 minutes and then we kick off when <laughs> the um, daughter arrives. Um, somewhere was only meant to be the working title. Uh, Sophia used the same camera lenses her father used for Rumblefish mm-hmm. when filming. The Golden Lion win at the Venice International Film Festival was highly controversial with some questioning president of the jury Quentin Tarantino's objectivity due to Sophia being a former girlfriend mm. of his. Yeah. You know, Isn't Quentin the whole film industry re- nepotism? I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, yeah, as we talk about a Sophia Coppola film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, but, but it's a great film. It's a great film. I mean, film. I, I'd love to know what else it was up against. Yeah, but I I've, can't tell you how, A, much I loved it and B, wrapped that you loved it as well. Because I, I got to the end of it. I wasn't entirely certain no, how people are going to feel about loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, the script... How many pages long? Oh, three. Yeah. <laughs> Not too far off. 43. Yeah. 43 pages long. Uh, Cleo is reading what sounds like the Twilight books, which is fun because her sister Dakota Fanning plays Jane in three of the movies. Uh-huh. Uh, Dorf received the invitation to make the movie on the anniversary of his mother's death and took it as a sign to make the film. And he stayed in the chateau while making Not really. the movie. Yeah, yeah. right. So, okay. which would have made things easy. Yeah. Call time is in 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll get down to make the film. Uh, but that was great. It's a good and one. Uh, what a, like, what a treat as well mm. to just sit there and watch a movie that is, it's, it knows what it is. Mm-hmm. It takes its time. Mm-hmm. It isn't that long either. Mm. Like, it takes its time, but it isn't that long. Yep. And was, for me, out outrageously funny without ever missing out on any level of poignancy or or you know there's depth there if you choose to mine it yes agreed 
So what is it next? Is Bling it Ring? Yeah, never seen it. Never seen it as well. Mm-hmm. Which was good. We've only got three more, right? Yeah, something like that. Bling Ring, Beguiled, and I can't remember what the last one is. On the rocks. On the on the rocks. Yeah. Um, we are heading towards a reckoning for me. What? Oh yeah, you don't but like I don't that one. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, right. but I'll have to rewatch it, and I might, I might have. Many movies are better on the rewatch. Absolutely. And I'm more than willing to... Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's someone out there that can explain to me why The Shape of Water is really good, like I'm willing <laughs> to have my mind changed. It's a subversion of the horror genre. I'm fine. Just explain <laughs> it to me. And uh, before we go, I just need to say one more thing. Yeah. Stay loose. to Ben for joining me today. He was in good form on the podcast. He was good form on uh, Sunday as well. I'm looking forward to uh, producing that and putting it up for you. So if you didn't get to come to the show live, you'll get to hear how good he is. Hey, if you're enjoying the podcast uh, and you want to come and have a chat with us at our Facebook page, please do. If you'd like to leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, come over and share with us what you think, uh, which directors you might like us to tackle or actors or, you know, maybe there's a hot take that you want me to get into. It's so funny. I've been thinking about that segment for such a long time, like a number of years. And then it was like, yeah, Star Wars. That seems like the way to go. Just remember, it's my hot take. It is not yours. If you like Star Wars, you are correct to like Star Wars. Anyway kind of funny right i'll be back this week with our next episode of the leftovers and i thought well you know i've i've shit on george lucas's career by inadvertently just attacking star wars so let's finish with a quote from george and i think it's a good quote and it's a good reminder for all of us everybody has talent it's just a matter of moving around until you've discovered what it is. Until then. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.